Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 18. Is it cool if we read a little bit of the Bible in church? A lot of the Bible. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. He left his friend there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he laid and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked and there was by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched them and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Oreb, the mountain of God. Then there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous, zealous, zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek my life. You ever felt like that? Like I've done it all. God, I'll go to work every day. I put up with this crazy husband, this crazy wife. I do everything that you, I read my Bible this week. I did everything that you asked. And I just feel like I'm trying to figure, it's just just drama after drama. And I feel like I am alone. Then he said to him, the Lord God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu as the son son of Nimish as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shephat, as Abel of Abel Melahan, and shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. 
Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea or this subject. Hopefully, um, I hope that you're taking notes. The Bible says that those who take notes is about 98% that go to heaven. You get a fast pass around the back with a Chick-fil-A sandwich. That's not true, but it's easier for you to retain it. But I would love for you to take notes. I want to preach to you from this message in position. In position. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come before you right now. We take over the Ackworth Community Center. And Father, we, we're grateful that together as a family, we can worship you. We can sing, Lord, how you are worthy of it all, Lord. We believe that things have broken, Lord, in just a moment. And worship, Lord God, we're so grateful that what just happened wasn't just religious duties or acts. But Father, we believe in Jesus' name, Lord, that what we sow in the spiritual comes about in the physical. And we see the miracles happen. Now, Father, I pray that you would take this portion of the service, Lord, and that you would speak to us. John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase. Father, I pray that it would be your words and your words alone. Father, I love you, and I thank you for everything you've done and everything that you will do. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we all pray and we say amen and amen. Come on, all over this place, would you put your hands together for Jesus? Oh, come on, we could do a little better than that. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus in this place? Come on! in position it's so funny because position has so much to do with everything in life you don't even think about it it's like one of those things that you don't even pay attention to it, your position depends not only is it your effectiveness dependent on your position but i also believe that where you go in life is dependent on your position watch this if you take a firefighter and you put a firefighter in a basketball shorts maybe some firefighters put them in basketball shorts and give them a basketball how many of you know they're going to be out of position they're not going to be able to play the way that Dwayne Wade, God's favorite basketball player, and the Miami Heat, God's favorite team, outside of the Atlanta Hawks, amen. But when you're out of position, like I'm saying, even when you play in sports, so much of it is dependent on position. You can't get a guy that's seven foot tall and put him down and, and have him run the ball outside of maybe Giannis. But that's another story. But your position is going to determine so much of how effective you are in life. Not only does it determine how effective you are in life, positioning, I think it affects so much of the value that you carry. I can prove it to you. Watch this. I can get a bottle of water and buy it by the case. And if I break it down, the bottle is usually worth about 30 something cents. I could grab that same bottle. Yo, listen, I don't change nothing about it. And I can grab that same water and I could put it in a movie theater and you're paying $3 for the same water. Position. I could take it from there and I could put you on an airplane and put that same water. You're going to pay $8 for that water. It's just positioning. Your positioning affects everything about you. You will see in the life of Elijah how his positioning affected so much of what he was doing in his life. Here is Elijah, a man who has said, God, I feel like dying. Like, I don't want to live this life anymore. I feel like I can't do this anymore. This is the very same man that actually called and prayed and listened. The heavens stopped raining for three and a half years. Yo, you know what it is for you to pray and for three and a half years for there not to be a drop in the land of water? For God to tell you and drive you to an area where you are drinking from a brook, but at the same time, you have ravens. Yo, I don't know if you understand the disposition of ravens or what they're created to do, but if you put a piece of meat in a raven's mouth, they're going to chew it and they're going to eat it. But yet God had brought ravens to bring food to Elijah because he was by himself in the desert and he was being fed by the ravens. 
This is the very same Elijah that he ends up going to a widow's house. And the widow says, all I got, he says, give me something to drink and give me something to eat. She says, I'll give you something to drink, but I don't have anything to eat. All I have is a little bit of flour and some oil. And me and my son, because of the drought, everything that's going on, we're about to eat this and we're just going to die. But yet he says to her, I, I get that, but just fix it for me. Because I heard a word from God and I'm in position and I believe that a miracle could happen. And this woman, for three and a half years, that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil never waned, meaning it never ran out. It continued to feed her and her family, and it didn't stop. I hope that's a word for you to understand that your obedience is always going to produce the miraculous. And for some of us, the miracle that we need is for God to provide for us. Your provision is always going to come by way of God, not by way of you keep working and signing another application and trying another gig and trying to learn another thing. It's finding yourself positioned in Jesus, that when you position yourself in him, he will bring about the provision because the bible says that he is jehovah jireh the god that provides this elijah he feeds this woman and all this stuff keeps coming out but then the woman's son dies and she tells elijah bro you came over here you did all this and now my son's dying like bro what are we even like why did i even have you in my house and the Bible says that the, well, Elijah goes and for three times for those students that you've been at on Tuesday nights, we've been talking about the gifts of the spirit and we've been talking about all of these different beautiful things that God has given to his church. And one of the coolest things that we learned is that you pray once. If it doesn't happen, you pray a second time. And if it doesn't happen, you pray a third time. Jesus got two times. We deserve a hundred times. If Jesus got two times, I see men as trees because he couldn't see. Here it is that Elijah lays on this young man three different times and he prays, Father, let the soul go back into his life. And all of a sudden, this young man comes back to life. The reason why I'm explaining so much of this is because I want you to understand how powerful the God that Elijah serves. This is the God that he has watched do miracles in his life. But yet the Bible says that he goes and Ahab goes in front of him in a chariot. And here it is with horses and they're going. And the Bible says that he pulled up his robe and he began to run and he ran faster than the chariots. Another miracle. Like, I mean, this is not stuff that you're just like, this isn't a Asap's fables. Like, yo, this is in the Bible. I believe to it for it to be true. If I believe that Mary had a virgin birth, then yo, I believe that Elijah did these things because these things are found in scripture. Not only are they found in scripture, but historical contents can show you that there's actually evidence that we can prove all of this stuff to you. I ain't got the time for it. Right now, you're going to listen to me and you're going to understand it and you're going to accept it by faith. Elijah runs ahead of the freaking cart. He gets to the point where he passes it. All of these miracles that I told you and a woman from upstairs, her name was Jezebel, a woman from upstairs yeah, tells a messenger, I want you to go and tell Elijah, my soul, I could die the same way that all the prophets died. Oh, one more miracle. This man had, he had, he had a war that was going on where one side was a bunch of people who hated God, were far from God and served the God named Baal. And then on the other side were God's people. And he said, we're going to see who is God is real. And what I want you to do is we're going to call fire from heaven. And whoever sacrifices burnt up, that's who God is real. They cut themselves. They screamed. They did everything. Baal, help me. Please do something. Burn up the offering. Nothing happened. Elijah put water on the offering, soaked the wood, did it several different times. The moment that he prayed, fire came down and consumed the offering from heaven. This is who we're talking about. But yet this woman sends a messenger to him. And the messenger says to him, the same way you killed those prophets about is the very same way that you're going to die or I will die if today 
I don't kill you. By today, tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, if you're not dead, I'm going to do the same thing that happened to them. Here's the crazy part about it. At that very moment, the Bible says that he becomes so discouraged in his heart that he runs away. Bro, look at all the things that I just explained, that I just took time to kind of break down and show you all these miracles. And yet, because of one single word of discouragement from somebody, this man has folded up all those miracles and believed the report of a messenger from somebody that told him that they were going to kill him. And he begins to run. I'll show you the trajectory of what that looks like in just a second. But isn't that our life, though? When things are going so good, and it's just one person, you write a, a they put a bad... You, you wrote something so good. I mean, you took your time on Facebook. Like, you erased a few things because you were like, I want to be sensitive. And you wrote all of these beautiful things, trying to bring hope and love and peace. And you're trying to do all of these in Jesus' name right now. You, and then there's that one weird friend from high school or your crazy aunt that is way too politically involved or all of these different. And they just, they completely, everything you said, they have nothing to regard. And they write this super negative comment. And all of a sudden, you just feel like, Dang, bro. You ever had one of those days where you're just loving your life and your husband just says something to you that makes you want to slap the brakes off of him? Don't giggle too hard. Don't do that. Don't do that. Look at me. Like you just, you just like, yo, what did you just say to me? Like you just feel it inside of you. Like it's not, it's not the Lord. It's your flesh. Like it's a demon, but you want to kill him. You're like, I get these scissors right now. It's just like. Isn't it crazy how like you have these like things that you're so excited and all of a sudden one word can change you completely. It's like it can affect you in such a way that like you went from a fun, joyful day to like now I'm mad, I'm frustrated. You know what's crazy? The closer the position of a person is, the more hurt that it brings to you, right? So if somebody from the outside, like a Facebook post, somebody says something, nine times out of ten you ain't even worried about it. It makes you mad. You want to cuss them out in the Lord Jesus, hallelujah, but you don't cuss them out. But when it's somebody close to you, it begins to hurt you. But something that hurts you more, something that's even closer than a person, is the things that you tell yourself. When you begin to tell yourself, I'm going to screw this up the way that I screwed that up. I'm going to mess this up again. Why am I even going to try? Why should I even apply for that? Why should I even do these things? I've told this to our church for so many years, and I hope that one day we can understand it and realize it, that nobody lies more to me than I do myself. Nobody cheats me out of things more than I do myself. Nobody hurts me more than I hurt myself. It's these moments that I can be having the best day in the world, and it's like a thought just comes in. It's like, yeah, but you know everything's about to, you know. The closer you are in proximity, the closer you are in position, the more that it affects you. The Bible says that Elijah hears this. He turns around, and he begins to run for his life. He runs so far where he gets to the point that he gets to this climbing tree or this tree that he sits next to it and when he sits next to the tree he just goes to sleep having a conversation with God in that tree I think is something that the church has neglected and I think the church has been out of position for so long on because this man was next to this tree and he said God I don't want to live no more just kill me and what has happened is that we've relegated thoughts of suicide thoughts of depression thoughts of anxiety especially in the church and I'd be the first to admit, and I'm sorry on behalf of every pastor that you've heard, every minister that has ever told you that you have a demon inside of you, that there's something wrong with you, that you're not perfect, that you're not reading your Bible enough, that you're not praying enough. I want to apologize because though those things can be true and though there needs to be a relationship with God, I think we've relegated the thought of depression, anxiety, suicide to a demonic influence. 
When sometimes it's just things that are inside of you that, listen to me, they're not for them to stay inside of you, but it doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're demonically filled. It just means that you are dealing with something. As we see in scripture, several individuals, Jesus himself, the Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 35, he knew that he was going to save John from the grave. He was inside of a cave. He knew I waited three days because on the fourth day, I wanted to make sure that the Jewish people understand that the soul has left out of him because I don't want no excuses when they see this miracle. But even the Bible says that Jesus wept. So I want you to understand that this isn't something that you're broken. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm messed up. I can't talk about this. No, no, no. You are right. Listen to me, this is something that we all deal with on a regular basis. This is stuff that we have to deal with and we have to process. There are moments of your life, the Bible says in Ecclesiastics that there's a time for everything. There's going to be a time that you're going to feel sad. There's going to be a time that you're going to feel like, yo, I don't want to do this anymore. Now, what I want you to understand is I'm not giving you a license to stay there because I serve a God and I believe a God that will pull you out of that depression, that will pull you out of that anxiety, that he's strong enough to put his joy inside of you, that he actually has given us all through scriptures the tools to be able to walk out of that season. I just want you to understand and I want to apologize to you because for so long we've relegated you to having a demon inside of you. We've relegated you to being broken or not spiritual enough. And I want to apologize, but I also want to give you hope because this is what the Bible says. He says he woke him up and he said, Elijah, here's some food and here's some drink. I want you to eat and I want you to, I want, and, and you know what Elijah did? He got up, he ran, he went back to Ahab, he went back to Jezebel, hit him with a three piece and a biscuit. Don't do that. He didn't do any of that. He went right back to sleep. And then the Bible says, I love scripture because the Bible says that and, and, the, angel, and the angel touched him. If I was an angel, I would have got kicked out. <laughs> I'd have kicked him. <clears throat> bro, get up, man. What's wrong with you, bro? The Bible says that he touched them and that he woke up. And then he tells them something that I believe is the hope, the things that I think we can use, especially when we're dealing with these things. Here's what it is. The Bible says to him, I want you to eat and I want you to drink because the, long, the journey is long for you. Here's what I want you to understand. When you're in those seasons, when you feel like you're dealing with these things and these things are heavy on your chest, yo, it wasn't. A week ago, it wasn't three days ago that I felt like I was running around and I was going, I was doing so many different things. And I told my wife, I just felt like this pressure in my chest. And I was feeling like, yo, I was so stressed out that I started to question, yo, why am I even doing this? Like, this is crazy. Like, I feel like I'm about to die. And you know what I did? Was it in that moment? The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what Jesus told the enemy when he told him, turn these rocks into bread, right? So in this moment, I've learned that for the angel to touch Elijah, I want you to drink and I want you to eat. I've learned that in those seasons, the best thing that I could do is not for me to sit there in my thoughts, not sit there and regurgitate and go in this circular motion of my thoughts. And this person did this to me. And I can't believe they said that. And I should have told them this. And the next time I see them, I'm going to tell them this. And, oh, this is a good one, too. I'm going to do this. And then you come, I can't believe this person did this. And you're constantly going in this one cycle, which is easy to do. You know what I did? In the shop by myself, I got on my knees. And I said, hey, God, I can't fix myself. I can't take this off of me. But I believe that you are a God that have taught me not to be anxious for nothing but 
everything to come to you. And my prayer and my supplication that is in position in heaven at the throne of God, I believe that you respond with your peace and I believe that you respond with your love. I believe you respond with your joy. It's in those moments of prayer, key number one, for you to be able to have your food that feeds you. Not only is the food that feeds you, but just like I quoted Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the word of God is the best meal that you can ever eat when you're dealing with stuff. Stop running to Instagram and Twitter, Netflix. Stop running to Facebook when you're having these moments. You need to run to the word of God. You need to start listening to what God says about you because the truths of scripture, the Bible says, it will set you free. That there's things inside of this Bible that if for some of us, man, I don't know where to search all of that. Go to the back, bro. There's a back. It just says, I'm anxious. And it'll give you 14 different verses. Watch this. You ain't even got to turn to your Bible, but do it a different way. Get your Bible and then go to, go to the Google. And just go to the Google and just put scriptures about depression. And begin to read these things. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, there's this strength that starts bubbling up inside of you. There's something that starts happening on the inside of you when it's not self-help. It's not Pastor Chino. It's not Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Sarah or Pastor Gwen. When it's God that he begins to fill you up with the strength and the things that you're longing for. That he turns your mourning into gladness. That the Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Why? Because God is close and in position in the morning. Because he sent the angel to feed him, meaning that God was there. He was present. He was engaged in his life. And then he told him, I want you to fill up because you got a long journey. And for some of us, it's not something that's just going to fix you in one second. Like, yo, we've, I, I, you know, and there's so many different people that are in the room. And I want to be sensitive um, to different beliefs and, and, and different um, theologies that you may have. Um, we believe and we've seen and experienced in our own personal walk. We've seen people who have had demons inside of them and demon manifestations. And we've seen those moments where we've actually cast out because of the power of God. We've seen demons come out of people. We've seen that whole deal. And it's been crazy. We've been praying for them and we believe for them. And they're still in the church and they still love Jesus and they're still chasing after him rock hard but what happened was that in that season what can happen is you think the demon came out of them and all of a sudden now they're good no you still got to deal with your junk for some of us we've gotten to this place and we've learned through life that when we receive Jesus that you know all of that as a Christian you don't have to deal with none of that stuff demonic influence demonic oppression demonic possession all of that stuff it leaves you the moment that you receive Jesus that's great and awesome I, we can have a conversation later but what I want you to understand is that you still got to deal with your junk there's still things inside of you there's still hidden sin there's still family sin patterns there's still generational things that have happened there are still things inside of you wounds that you haven't processed there are things that happened when you were 13 years old but because you're so strong you said I'm gonna put this to the side because I gotta deal with this I gotta be a husband for my wife I gotta be a husband for my a father for my children and what ends up happening is that we begin to move through life with these wounds and these battle scars that they have cataract they become keloid skin but you're still carrying the hurt because on the the inside the outside may look like just a scar but on the inside there's still a festering wound that's there and if we don't process this if we don't bring this thing to God then what will happen is that we'll end up 
taking these steps, going under the tree and wishing we die on a regular basis. But God actually wants to walk with you and he actually wants to help you through those seasons. That he wants you to understand your identity, that you are not what he did to you, that you are not what she said to you, that you are not what happened to you, you are not what you did. Your identity is found in Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. It was Jesus himself who knew no sin and became sin so that you may become the righteousness of God. You have to stop allowing for the world to tell you the truth that they believe to be the truth that you live. That's not who you are. You are a child of the most high God you are a son you are a daughter you are an heir but if if we don't understand that there's a there's a long journey we expect for it to happen in a second right nuns it's like you get saved that's it I'm perfect hallelujah glory to God bless you you ever met one of them Christians say good morning how are you blessed and highly favored of the lamb glory 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 no bro I asked you how are you doing how's your day going hallelujah I'm in the heavenly heavenlies Boy, you're so weird. Stop. Because we think we get saved and we think we become automatically the holiest of holies. But we don't understand that God is desiring perfection. But perfection is a process. Holiness is something that happens over time. You start learning and you start growing. These are the things that please God. These are the things that don't please God. As you begin to live your life, you start understanding, I'm not going to accept the things that don't please God and try to bring them into the side that I think pleases God. I'm actually going to remove these things because I care much more about God than I care about my truth. And what I want to do is that I want to go on a journey with God. The journey here at Greater Church, what we call it is discipleship. We believe that you begin to grow on your life and that you start getting better and better and better and better. I would be embarrassed to tell you how much I fell in love with Jesus when I first got saved, but the words that will come out of this mouth and the thoughts that will enter into this mind. When I first got saved, I was, I was telling everybody on, about Jesus. I was just using colorful words while I was talking about him. Because I hadn't gone on a process yet. You got, Elijah, you got a journey. Elijah, you, you need to eat. Elijah, you got to fill yourself up because there, there's a journey that I want you to take on. The Bible says that Elijah takes the journey. And so much of what happened on that tree is what I want to unpack during the Christmas season. And all through December, man, I'm excited. I've written down notes and I've planned so much of these thoughts that I believe Mary. Yo, could you imagine like a 14-year-old girl that is engaged to somebody? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> an angel <laughs> comes to her and tells her, hey, you're, 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 you're pregnant. Could you imagine what she was dealing with? Because at this time, understand that it wasn't just ostracizing her. It wasn't just pushing her away. There was danger of her being stoned and killed. Could you imagine Joseph? The thoughts that he rent. The Bible says that the angel came to him because Joseph had already got in a position where he said, I'm going to put her away quietly. Yo, do you know what that thought was? Yo, I wanted to marry this girl. You know how brokenhearted he must have been? We pass by that because we jing, 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 jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all along. Yo, Christmas was messy, bro. Christmas was messy. I, and I could go on and on. The Bible says that the angel came to him and he said, Elijah, I want you to eat because the journey that you're going to take on is long. Elijah eats the food. He begins to go. And the Bible says that he ends up in a cave. And here it is that he's in this cave. And this woman has, has told him that she's going to kill him. 
He's gotten to the place where he's just like, yo, I just want to die. I wonder if he even thought about all of the things that God did in and through him while he was doing these miraculous things. The Bible says that God himself says, I want you to go to this cave. I want you to sit there. I just want you to come up to the front because I want to show you something. And Elijah being in this cave, broken, hurting. I mean, just I can't even imagine the things that were running through his mind at the time. The Bible says that God comes around. And the first thing that he does is that he comes as this mighty rushing wind. First of all, I want you to see this in scripture. I'm, I'm going to read this to you because I want you to see this. The Bible says, I should probably turn on my mic. So he rose, he ate, he drank, he got there, go to the mountain and stand before the Lord and behold, and watch this, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. What I want you to see here is that, watch this, there's a separation. Go out and stand before in the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and then a great wind a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I play paper, rock, scissors, I don't, y'all got new ones, right, Ramses? I don't think wind can beat rock. I don't think I've ever seen a wind break apart a rock, let alone tear a rock into pieces. I'm from Miami. I don't know if, you know, we've been here about five years and we've seen some crazy stuff, tornadoes. We heard the sirens. We ain't seen them yet. Uh, Miami, we have hurricanes and hurricanes got a bunch of wind. And if it's not a category four or better, we're not boarding up. We're not doing any of that. Crazy. But I've never seen wind destroy a rock. Like that doesn't even make sense. But yet the Bible says that God passed by. What you're missing here is that God passed by and the effects of his presence are what broke what was impossible to break just the effects of having God's presence in your life the Bible says that he passed by and when he passed by there was so much wind that came around and broke rocks into pieces nine times out of ten I can give you the solution to the things that you're at that you're needing is that you need yourself you need to find yourself in position with God you've been running from church for way too long bro you stop hanging around Christian people you stop listening to Christian music you stop going to God's house and what happens now is that the rocks are all around you I want to give you a quick fix today today you can break the rocks and the rocks are broken by the very presence of God the evidence when you have God in the space when God is in that place just as mere presence the effects of it break not only the rocks in your life but the Bible says that there was an earthquake an earthquake rearranges things you know what that looks like when somebody passes away it's an earthquake when somebody you go through a divorce that's an earthquake it rearranges things when you find yourself in a space where that boss who told you, I'm going to give you this company, he tells you, hey, I got to let you go. It's an earthquake. It rearranges things. It shatters things. God told him something that I believe that the Lord wants to tell you here today. How did you get here, Elijah? How did you get here? I feel like for some of us, man, we want a word and we want to hear from the Lord. And this is not an accusation. I actually believe it's direction. Elijah, how did, how did you get here? What, 
Elijah, what are you, what are you doing here? Because for so long we understood God and we had it all figured out, relegated to we read our Bible, we prayed, we went to church, we were good. But then an earthquake happened. And slowly but surely, sometimes that earthquake can be COVID. When you stop going to church, you stop serving on team, you stop giving, you started walking so much further and further away from God and it rearranged some things. Where you were the one that you were telling your friends, hey, you need to go to church. Now you're the one inviting your friends to come to the club. Well, you were the ones that you were telling them, you got to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto the Lord and the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Come on, it's going to hard guard your hearts and mind. You've allowed anxiety to hit you so hard that you're in a cave right now and you don't even know how to get out of this thing. An earthquake shifts things. Fire consumes things. Fire is what we've experienced, all of us, I think, in the last 18 months and some change. personal life I've had things that got consumed in my own personal life I had to deal with the passing of my mom something that I didn't even know was going to happen so don't freaking relegate me to your political disposition don't relegate me to a, a thought of mask or anti-mask or vax or vax man I don't but I believe in the kingdom of God I am a child of the most high God. I don't live by the way that you want to live. Don't relegate me to that. So when you hear me talking about certain topics or even mentioning COVID, don't put me on a side. Put me on the kingdom side. Because I don't care what you're wearing or what you have inside of your body or you don't have inside of your body. I believe that there is a God that not only does he heal, but I believe that there's a God that is sovereign. What happens though is that the fire comes and it consumes. And there's been moments of my life. Or even as a pastor of a church who, man, I gave everything I had to this thing. And then it became half. And then from half, it got cut to 25 people. And the 75%, they haven't come back to church. I see them at Walmart. They were at the Braves game. But it's fine. I'm not mad. It's okay. I don't care. It's all right. It's fine. I, I get it. I'm letting it go. Let it go. That's it. I forgive you in Jesus' name. I don't, but I don't care. Listen. <laughs> but, but there's a wind there's the earthquake and then there's a fire and the bible is so specific in saying but god was not in any of those but then the bible says and then there was a still small voice about four years ago oh my god this had to have been like six years ago now i forgot i've been here for a long time about six seven years ago i was at my my friend's house and I don't think I've ever even shared this story with greater before. I was at my friend's house. And maybe personally I've shared this story. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, um, his wife calls us. And his wife tells us, Cheeto, or tells her husband, I am in the middle of the highway, crying through tears. A car has just flipped over in front of me. And the, the exit where we were was probably three minutes away. So we got in the car and we ran over there. Because we wanted to be in position and I, I remember that I got on the scene and I'm not even you know preachers lie they they exaggerate every story I'm not exaggerating right now from that wall <laughs> from that wall probably to that wall the car had flipped and turned and ejected both of the passengers because it was a convertible small little porch Porsche or porch I don't care I'm Cuban and uh, I remember getting on the scene, and I'll spare you the details, but they weren't in good shape. 
And I remember that I went up to, to the guy and the guy was standing up and kind of wobbly. And I remember he, his shirt, he had on a white shirt. When I pulled up to the scene, I thought he had a red shirt on until I saw pieces of the bottom of his shirt that were white. Just a little bit of a creative detail there. I saw this man that he was, I mean, just bloody and just a mess. And I remember just grabbing him and I said, buddy, I need you to just sit down for a second. And then I looked over at the woman and she was on the floor and she wasn't doing well at all. She was able to talk. And I remember in this moment, I was just like, I'm a fixer. But not only am I a fixer, but whenever I'm scared, bro, you'll see me turn up. I get this boldness that comes on me. So I remember just talking to them and I was like, hey, there's a reason that I'm here. I don't know what happened in the car. I don't even know your personal lives, but there's a reason that I'm here. I want to explain to you. And I began to tell them about the gospel. That there's a God that even in this moment right now, he hasn't forgot about you. A God that I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to survive from this. But he would take his time through all eternity. He would step into this moment and he would have me to communicate that Jesus is not mad at you. That he's madly in love with you. That you can have a relationship with him today. And I had this conversation and I remember talking to him and I was just, I was ministering to him as much as I can. And the whole time I'm like, buddy, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? And he just, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then I remembered we here at greater church in just a second we're going to have a moment to respond to the gospel but the way that we respond is that we pray the bible says in romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and you believe in your heart that god raised them from the dead that you shall be saved so the way that you're saved is that you pray but it's a belief so in that moment i said i'm going to tell you i'm going to say a prayer and i want you to repeat this prayer with me get as much energy as you can this prayer doesn't save you it's the faith in the god that you're praying to that's actually going to save you and i remember that i just held on to him and i was like dear jesus dear jesus i come before you right now i come before you right now and just in a whisper this man gave his life to the lord in that moment and probably one of the worst moments of his life i was in position god put me there to lead him and the woman to the lord the helicopter came in the middle of the highway one ambulance came one person in that ambulance he gave me a neck brace and he said, we're going to put this neck brace on his neck and I just need you to hold him. And for the next 45 minutes, I was in position praying over this man. Father, I just thank you for him. Hey, you're with me, right, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. And Father, right now, I pray that you would help him. You would save his life, Lord, that you would heal him, Lord God. I, I don't even want to tell you what he looked like. I gave you a little bit of a description, but if I told you what he looked like <laughs> and I'm holding him and I'm just, and I can't help but think how many times that was me how many times I was so broken I felt like bro I had the weight of the world on my life how many times I didn't wreck my car so many times that I know I should have been dead so many times that I know that I had no reason to be forgiven by God but he was in position close talking to me and telling me how much he loves me and holding my neck break because I couldn't hold my head up because I couldn't keep my head up because of the shame that I was dealing with but yet God was holding my head up saying I am your dad I love you I'm proud of you son I'm proud of you daughter I don't care how you got here I love you I feel like this God that we serve that he's big enough to meet us in our worst moments and whether yo we're making X amount of dollars a year and our job is great and we're secure we wear both of our seat belts <laughs> our life is pristine 
or you're sitting on the side of a highway bloody because life has kicked you, punched you, pulled your hair, poked your teeth. I don't even know how you poked your teeth. But life has done everything to you where you just feel like you're on the side of the road alone in a cave. There is a God that he does two things. Number one, he rescues you where you are. And I want to tell you that you don't have to stay in your depression. You don't have to stay in your shame. You don't have to stay in your guilt. You don't have to stay in your suicidal tendencies. You don't have to stay in your identity. You can be a child of God today. It's simple. It's very simple because I have nothing to do. It's not about you giving tithes to a church. It's not about you walking up to the front or becoming a member of a church. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that bloody lifestyle or maybe that pristine lifestyle that doesn't have God, both of them mean something to God and he wants to rescue you from either one of those. So today, I want to pose a question. How'd you get here? What are you doing here? And I'm not telling you about location as far as geographical context is concerned. Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Where's your spirit at? How'd you get there? How much stuff have you been dealing with and carrying with it by yourself? Today I want to do what the Apostle Paul said, Apostle Peter said. I want you to cast your cares to the Lord for he cares for you. I want you to take this stuff that you've been carrying for so long and just like I did, I got on that shower floor and I just said, God, I can't take this, you take it. I walked out of there with just peace. And for some of us, money can't buy that peace. Serving at church, being a part of church, that doesn't buy that peace. That peace is only going to come directly from God. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.